0: Thrown him out the family home, they'd sold him to uh, some slave traders who were passing by, and they took him down to Egypt, where he got sold as a slave into the uh, into a house, and he became a household slave. And the name of the house, the guy who was in charge of the house was called Potiphar, a government official in Egypt, and he cared for Joseph. And Joseph did very well in the bad situation. That's good, isn't it? You always kind of following God. there's, There's something within you that wants to constantly rise to the top, even though sometimes it doesn't go your way. And Joseph. Despite the challenges he went through, he didn't shake his fist at God. In the midst of that, he kept his faith alive in God. And so here we come to Genesis 39 and verses 6 to verses 15. So that he left Joseph, he left Joseph's care. In Joseph's care, everything he had. This is Potiphar. He trusted his slave, Joseph, so much, he entrusted his entire household to Joseph. With Joseph in charge, he did not concern himself with anything except with the food he ate. Now Joseph was well built and handsome. After a while, the master's wife took notice of Joseph and said, Come to bed with me. But he refused. With me in charge, he told her, My master does not concern himself with anything in the house. Everything he owns he has entrusted to my care. No one is greater in the house than I am. My master has withheld nothing from me except you, because you are his wife. How then could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? God. Joseph primarily was not concerned about sinning against his master, although he was concerned about offending his master and doing something corrupt to his master. But in Joseph's mind, the biggie was this. It would offend God. And though she spoke to Joseph day after day, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. One day he went into the house to attend to his duties and none of the household servants were inside. Uh Uh-uh. She caught him by his cloak and said, come to bed with me. But he left his cloak in her hand and ran out of the house. When she saw that he'd left his cloak in her hand uh, and run out of the house, she called her household servants. Look, she said to them, this Hebrew that you brought to us, this Hebrew has been brought to us to make sport of us. He came to sleep with me, but I screamed. And when he, uh, he heard me scream, he left and he left his cloak beside me and ran out of the house. So she made up this horrendous lie. And she turns it like he was the bad guy, but actually he was the guy who'd been living with integrity. And the result was, as you read on in this this passage, that Joseph was actually thrown into prison because he was falsely accused of trying it on, but he didn't do anything wrong. And the story goes on. Joseph in prison even rises to the top. Why? Because he still refused to shake his fist against God. He had a good atches. With God's help, even in the bad situation, he rose to the top again. And then eventually... Overnight, almost, he became the prime minister of Egypt. Now, in those days, Egypt was the world-leading superpower. So that was no small thing to become prime minister, to become the person who decided governmentally what went and what didn't go. He was a, a major influencer in his day. But do you understand, no such thing as an overnight success. There's a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes in your private life that is really the making of you. And uh, that's where God tests us. So he was rejected by his family. He was at an all-time low. In that scenario, humanly, it could have been understandable for him to turn almost as a comfort to have some sex. No one would have known other than God. But in Joseph's minds, if God knew, he didn't care if anyone else knew or not. If God knew, if God saw him do that, he just knew he just couldn't go there. He says he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. Joseph was a prudent man. You see, the fact is, guaranteed, young guys, you will know. The fact is, he would have been thinking about this. It wasn't just like a one-off occasion. This was a daily thing. She was coming at him every day with temptation. But every, you know, And as a young man, he, he, do you know what? He probably would have thought about it. He probably would have gone there in his mind and thought, what would the implications be? And he probably would have to constantly reel himself back saying, no, I can't go there. It might well have tormented him. Because typically the way these things work is it's not just a physical thing happening. There's a spiritual undercurrent going on exactly at the same time. And there's a bad devil out there. And the devil and his demons will be pushing all the buttons possible in your life. It will not just be the physical thing going on. It will be a a, a satanic attack to undermine your character and who you are and ultimately to ruin your future. And that would have been all going on inside. it. The torment would have come. He might have had dreams. He might have had thoughts. But the fact is, even despite all this and feeling rejected himself, he could have easily turned as a comfort blanket to the situation. But but knowing his own weakness, he said this, he refused to go to bed with her or even be with her. He didn't even want to be in the environment where he had opportunity to do anything. He, He actively put things in place in his life where he wasn't even going to be with her. It wasn't just that he resisted her and then kind of hung out with her. <laughs> it was like he resisted her and you know, I'm not even going to hang out with you. I'm not even going to go there. And that's prudent. And sometimes we kid ourselves on that we're strong enough, but we hang out there. And before you realize it, you've blown it. His concern was, how could I do such a wicked thing and sin against God? For him, the big thing was, Not not primarily what effect would this have in this marriage, although that was his concern. It wasn't primarily what effect would this have uh, in terms of my future. It was, number one, this would offend God. So I'm not going to go there. And then here's some really good advice. He fled a mile. It says, but he left his cloak in her hand and he ran out of the house. (laughs) He just couldn't handle the pressure anymore. He just bolted. And do you know what? Sometimes that's incredibly good advice. You know, you'd be the stupid guy to stand there and say, No, I will resist this. I will resist this. And she's still gone on at you. And in the meantime, she's taken your clothes off. Say, No, I will resist. You end up standing there naked. Say, I am. Re- mm-hmm. Right? No, too late. Run, right? Well, you've still got some clothes in your body. Run a mile. <laughs> I'm serious. Don't kid yourself on, you're not that strong. Run a mile. That is good advice. Flee immorality. Flee. Run a mile. Run. Learn to run fast. <laughs> See, the fact is, if he hadn't run at that point, and to be honest, there was a point, It might have been a point in his emotions where it could have gone either way at that point. Right? Seriously. There might have been a point where it could have gone either way at that point. He could have said, no. And he'd, he just couldn't handle it and he ran. If he had blown it, do you know what? he would not feature in the Bible as a hero. There would be no records of the story of Joseph. What would Andrew Lloyd Webber have done? I'm serious. He'd have had to come up with an original idea instead. So no play would have happened. Right? Number one reason why it's in the Bible. He he would never have become Prime Minister of Egypt. This man would have amounted to nothing. He would not have achieved the great thing, you know, he might have done some things because hopefully he had remembered the error of his way and, and turned back to God and tried to put things right. But you know what? He wouldn't have been the hero he had been. He wouldn't have become the prime minister of Egypt. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 18 says, Flee immorality. That's my title. And I'm going to do a hard sell tonight to encourage you at all costs, whatever possible, learn to run. Learn to run really hard and learn to do everything you can to get out of situations where immorality could be an issue and um let me let me just clarify here we believe and we talked about this last week we believe in sex sex is wonderful it's god blessed it should be creative it should be vigorous it should be enjoyed it should be passionate but it should be within the conf- confines of marriage All right The Bible is no problem with sex. God has no problem with sex. He created it. And last week we talked about how God actually created it to be fun. Physically our bodies are are designed to have heightened excitement. I mean, it's all news for you all. I realize you you'd never known this. But God made it that way. Why? Because sex was meant to be fun. And that was God's design. It wasn't the devil put those little bits in your body. No, no. God put that there. He created you that way to enjoy sex. Not just for procreation, but also to have fun. That was God's idea. But nevertheless, it was designed to have fun and enjoyment and ultimate pleasure between two people in commitment till death do them part. That's what it was meant to be. Immorality is anything sexual outside of that. Now, immorality is a broad heading. It takes into it adultery, which is two people who are married and then someone goes and has sex with someone else outside of marriage. It's sex outside of marriage. Or equally, it could be sex before marriage, which is uh, classified as fornication. There's a a new F word for you. And fornication is sex outside of marriage, uh, but it's before you get married. Um, According to the Bible, neither of these are right in sight of God or appropriate and are sin. Um, And also, another wee note to make is that as we go into the book of Proverbs just now, a lot of the references are male-orientated, okay? the the verses we're going to be reading are from a male perspective. So it's it's like, men, don't go near that woman. Men, don't go near that woman. Don't touch that woman. It's making the woman out to be really bad, okay? Now, while there is an element of truth, no. (laughs) I'm just joking. Let me just explain why that is written like that. It's because Solomon wrote the book of Proverbs for his son. He wrote it as advice, fatherly advice, to a son. So therefore, it is understandable that he wrote it. Avoid that kind of lady. Avoid Because he's not going to say avoid that kind of guy. If that's what your issue is, download our message from a few weeks ago. But Solomon was advising, son, don't go near that kind of woman or that kind of woman. It's not because he was down on women. It's just because he was a guy giving advice to his son. Okay, The advice would equally apply vice versa. Okay, Because how many people know it takes two to tango? And how often do we realize often the guy is more likely to be the one at fault than the girl in this area? So I want to encourage you, protect your spouse from immorality. If you're a married person, protect your spouse from immorality by having regular, mutual, mutually fulfilling sexual relationship. And we touched on this last week. I'm going to recap on it briefly just now. Within the confines of marriage, sex should be a regular Mutually fulfilling experience. Paul wrote about this, and he says you shouldn't deny each other. And he said, least Satan tempt you because of your lack of self-control. And Paul, just knowing the human condition, understood that, you know what? It's 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 like this is a drive, there's a passion in every human being, and within the confines of marriage, we can have great expression of our sexual drive. And it should be exciting. It should be creative. It should be um, vigorous. It should be loving. That's God's way. Here's a verse in Proverbs about this. Proverbs 5 and verses 15 to 21. Drink water from your own system and fresh water from your own well. Should your springs be dispersed abroad and your streams of water in the street, let them be yours alone and not the strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth as a loving hind and a graceful doe. Let her breast satisfy you at all times. Be exhilarated always with her love. Why should you, my son, be exhilarated with an adulteress and embrace the bosom of a foreigner? For the ways of a man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he watches his path. You see, the Bible says, let your passion be for your spouse. Don't, why should you go off and chase something secondary? Why not? Why shouldn't you find your fulfillment in marriage? That's how it should be. We should be able to find our fulfillment in marriage. We shouldn't have to look elsewhere. Why First of all, because it's wrong and that would be corrupt of you. And secondly, because it's good in marriage. That's how it should be. So one of the ways you can protect your marriage from adultery, from affairs, is that you play your part in making your marriage a blessed environment where sexual relationships happen on a regular basis in a godly way. Let me also say in this is I am assuming... um, I've had a, f- a few comments about my talk last week through this week. And a couple of people were, were concerned that some people might hear that. While they didn't disagree with my points, some people might hear that. In, so, what if a husband and wife are in an abusive situation? Where a husband abuses a wife or vice versa. And the husband's forcing his wife to have sex. That's not what I'm talking about, folks. I'm not talking about at all expense. I'm talking about a mutually fulfilling sexual relationship i'm talking about love being the motivator because the fact is tragically there's a lot of sexual abuse takes place within marriage there's even rape takes place within marriage that is unacceptable shame on you if that's what you to do to your spouse you meant to protect her or him you're to treat them with utmost care and respect. They are God's precious gift to you. Love has to be your motivation. Every touch should be a loving touch. Every word should be with respect and tenderness. And tragically, we reserve respect for the people who we're unfamiliar with. We, res- we treat people with more respect in our workplace or people that we're strange to. We don't know them on the street and we're all nice to them, but then when behind the, our doors we're harsh, that's not acceptable. So I'm not talking about uh, aggressive. I'm not talking about forceful. I'm, not t- I'm just saying mutual blessing. Genuine expression of love within the confines of marriage. That was what it was meant to be. And it's not sex out of duty. It's not like, oh, I'm married. I must do this. The pastor said we should have sex on a regular basis. <laughs> okay, then. That's not what it's talking about here. That's not what it's talking about. You see, if it's become that, then we've lost the edge completely. We've lost the edge completely. And maybe we need to do some hard work in trying to get back the passion. Because there is a natural God-given passion in every human being that should be expressed one to another. And that should be how it is in marriage, not just at the beginning, but for the years and years and years ahead. It should be that you're more in love and more passionate and more excited about your spouse as the years go by and that takes work sure but it's worth working at so sex within marriage as a blessing to your spouse and listen ladies especially sex should never be withheld as a punishment now why are you laughing you're laughing because you thought about that before hadn't you But tragically, that's sometimes what happens. It's sometimes he doesn't deserve it. What? This is your husband's. So husbands, be gentle, be loving, be tender. It's not just in it for what you can get out. Are you the only person who has orgasm? Are you the only person who has fulfillment in that sexual experience? Or are you doing it also to be a blessing to your wife? Right? There is differences between guys and girls. You may not have noticed this but there is differences between guys and girls. I learned this dramatically 10 years ago. I got married. It opened up a whole world, and I, thought, I did not know any of this. Man, it, honestly, it was crazy. Anyway, here's a quick slideshow uh, <laughs> to help you with the differences between guys and girls. Enjoy. There you go. So I don't know what you learned from that, but uh, maybe buy your spouse shoes. That's that's the key, obviously. <laughs> Make sure sex within marriage is wholesome, godly, love motivated, and exciting and creative. Next point: even if you aren't getting what you want in marriage, still avoid immorality at all costs. It might be that you think, in fact, here's a quote by Socrates: "By all means, marry." If you get a good wife, you'll be happy. If you get a bad one, you'll become a philosopher. (laughs) But sometimes, you know what, sometimes in marriage you feel you're doing all the giving, there's nothing coming back. Tough. I'm serious. Tough. You've made vows. You stick with those vows. You feel you're giving, 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 nothing's coming back. Tough. And it is Tough but it's not an excuse to be weak-willed and quit or cheat on them and get what you want by some covert means. That causes massive damage. So it's tough, yeah. But it's called unconditional love. And I want to encourage, especially married couples here, make a fresh commitment to your vows. Dig them out, read them again. Remind yourself of the big commitments you made before God to that woman, to that man. And remind yourself of what you said. You said in, in hard times and in good times, you said I'll be there. And hard times do come. Challenges come. Sex isn't as, maybe as often as irregular as you want. There are periods in time where it goes for seasons where it isn't really there much. Tough. You made vows. Does that mean you withhold love? No, 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 no. That's when you love. Because love is unconditional. See, unconditional love is, isn't you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Unconditional love is, I scratch your back. It means I'll meet your needs whether you meet my needs or not. You know who came up with that idea? God. God came up with this idea of unconditional love. In fact, when Jesus came into this world, they had to create a new Greek word, and the Greek word is agape, which literally means God's unconditional love. And God's unconditional love was expressed in this way, that even while we were saying no to him, God came to this earth, and in Jesus Christ, God died on that cross, paid the price for our sins, and rose again. Do you know what? I didn't ask him to do that for me. And do you know what? Even after he did it for me, I never said thank you. I continued sinning like he hadn't done it. The highest price ever was paid for my sins, and I didn't even ask him to do it, and I didn't thank him for it. And that's okay, because God just chose to love me anyway, and he chose to love you anyway. Whether you accept that price that has been paid or not, He loves you and he still paid the price for you. That's unconditional love. Unconditional love pays a price even when nothing's coming back. So you know what I thought was reasonable? When I was 15, I figured it was reasonable that I ought to give my life back to God. If he did that for me, I figured the only reasonable response to that was saying, God, you gave your life for me. I'm going to give my life back to you. And that's what it means to become a Christian. So I gave my everything to him and I've never looked back. Unconditional love, God stirs and motivates And I want to encourage you, those who aren't married, be prepared. You know what? Marriage won't always be the marriage you dreamt of. But you've got to be the the husband you should be. Or you've got to be the wife you should be. You've got to express unconditional love through the years. No matter what comes, you love. Even if it's not coming back the way you want, you still love. That's awesome. That's courageous. That's honorable. And that's quality. Don't be immoral in your thoughts. Jesus challenged this in Matthew 5 and verse 27 to 28. He said, you've heard that it says you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that anyone who looks for a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Jesus made it very clear that sin isn't just the things you do. Sin is also the intention of your heart and the thoughts of your mind. As far as God is concerned, adultery is just as bad if it's in here as if it is out there. That sin is sin in the sight of God. And it's, it's to do with thoughts and intentions as well as actions. And the fact is this folks. If you think a thought. You may start going looking to fulfill that thought. Every horrendous breakup caused by adultery starts there. It doesn't just happen overnight. It doesn't just happen out of the blue. It starts a process in here. That 's where it begins, and it results in long term heartache. It results in the action actually happening. you know psychiatrists years and years ago, when they were um faced with situations where people were struggling with massive sexual drive and tension, you know often what they would prescribe It used to be prescribed by certain psychiatrists that they got pornography, and they satisfied that internal drive that they used that they had thinking that somehow this would alleviate the pressure. How foolish. It's like talking to a drug addict. Say, oh, you want to come off drugs? Cool, here's some heroin. Here you go, some heroin. That'll help. No, it won't help in the slightest. You're just feeding the addiction. It makes it worse. I talked to a guy about a year and a half ago who for several years as a married man, every morning was on the internet looking at pornography downloading, watching it on TV, in secret, every day for years. And do you know what? He was in so much turmoil. He was in agony in his soul. Uh, and He was just spilling the beans. He was making himself accountable. and saying, listen, I need help here. And you know what? As far as I know, he dealt with it, moved on. But do you know what he, what he, he, he expressed to me? He said, Peter, the thoughts I get that the imaginations I have, the dreams I get, are cruel, are evil, are wicked, are wretched. They go places that I didn't even know my soul could go. And it, it, see, as soon as you start exposing your thought life to this sort of stuff, and then you follow that, those thought patterns, it will damage your soul. It will seriously scar you. It will seriously scar you. Here's what uh, the book of Proverbs says. and uh, This is kind of dipping into chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7. Here's a scattering of verses from these chapters. This is what it says. Keep your way far from her. And do not go near the door of her house. This is talking about the adulterous woman. Do not desire her beauty with your heart, nor let her capture you with her eyelids. For on account of the harlot, one is reduced to a loaf of bread. <laughs> That's funny, isn't it? <laughs> the guy got reduced to a loaf of bread. <laughs> Right. On behalf of the count of the harlot, the one is reduced to a loaf of bread and an adulteress hunts for precious life. Do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Do not stray into her paths for many are the victims that she has cast down and numerous are the slain. Her house is the way to Sheol descending to the chambers of death. Look at that, look at that verse. Keep your way far from her. Don't even go near her. Or him. Don't even desire her beauty in your heart. It's not not about the physical act here. It's talking about starting in the insides. Don't even desire her beauty. Don't even admire that as beautiful. Don't even go there in your heart. It says do not let your heart turn aside to her ways. Don't let your heart go there. Protect your inside person from that. And it will result in you not going there in the physical. You see, it used to be um, a generation ago that it was the dodgy old men with the, with the trench coats, right? Who would turn up at kind of little CD cinemas down the bottom of Leith Walk, right? <laughs> 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 well, buildings can be redeemed. Uh, little CD cinemas down in the bottom of Leith Walk. Or, or they would walk into news agents and they would buy magazines from the top shelf, or walk into kind of some uh, some weird little shop somewhere and they walk out with some video cassettes. It was kind of the dodgy geezers, right? If you're wearing a trench coat, sorry, I really do, but we do have our suspicions. Okay, uh, I'll you on. They're, they're, I'm sure they're cool. Um, so uh, the, the, that's what that's what the impression was of the the old pervert, right? That's what we thought. But these days, do you know what? You don't have to walk down those blind alleys. You don't have to walk in public. See, the fact is, most people didn't do that. It was very few individuals went that way. Why? Because it was obvious. It was humiliating. People could see. But today, you can walk virtually down streets. You can connect with prostitutes online. You can go into clubs online You can walk down streets online that you could never have dreamt of going down because of sake of exposure or humiliation. You can go that. And today, you know what the the dodgy guys with the trench coats look like now? They're sitting at their computer screens. And when no one else is looking, they're going places they should never go. And they're feeding their imagination. And they're feeding the desires that are already going on there. And you know what? It will damage your soul. It will cripple you in the inside. It will cripple you with guilt afterwards. But also, do you know what that has an effect on you? It misinterprets what love and lovemaking is all about. You are totally not experiencing or seeing the real McCoy. You're seeing something completely secondary that is shallow. Firstly, those lassies don't look like that in reality. Secondly, often you're not seeing the story that they've gone through, the abuse and the hurt and the pain that has been inflicted on them by their uncles, by their dads. Why would a girl go and expose himself to that? herself to that why why is she not secure enough in herself to not use her beauty to sell well maybe she didn't have a good dad maybe she hasn't had a secure upbringing maybe she was abused and what you're doing is you're looking on and you're seeing her as an object of desire but actually she's created in the image of God and she deserves some love I want to encourage you become accountable if you are struggling with internet pornography or any form of pornography become accountable Help. James 5.16 says, Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man can accomplish much. Uh, We don't usually have confessional booths in church, okay? I mean, if it would help you, we can set one up just at the end of the service and we'll see a queue of guys with trench coats. Okay, we can do that. But that's not really what we go in for because our emphasis is we confess our sins first and foremost to God. Yeah? First John 1, I think it's verse 8, says, Confess your sins to him, and he is faithful and just, and he'll forgive you. So we come to God. Thank God. He is our high priest. We come to him. We have direct access. Hallelujah. But you know what? Sometimes you're in something so deep, you just need someone else to keep you accountable. And you need to get someone else to pray with you, to help you get out of the darkness that you're in on the inside. So my advice is this. Go talk to someone. Go expose what's going on. Go be honest. And do you know what? Some people don't like being honest about this sort of stuff because they think as soon as someone knows, I will instantly be rejected. Well, I want to say right up front just now, you will not be rejected. The failure is not the person who admits this stuff. The failure is the person who has this stuff ongoing but doesn't do anything about it. That's the failure. The successful individual is the person who recognizes I have a weakness in this area. Help. That is your first step to recovery. And if you've had this thought, man, how on earth can I get help? They will reject me. That's a lie and it's holding you back and it's keeping you in fear. So do you know what? Come and ask for help. And again, uh, specifically Graham uh, for the guys and Kat for the lassies, they're mostly, they've they've got a lot of time to to meet people like yourselves. Any situations, whatever challenges, there's no... um, Stigma attached to saying help, that's, that's actually, the only stigma that's attached to that is you're courageous, well done. You know what? I've had pastors come to me, leaders come to me and say help in this area. There's other help you can get. There's practical help you can get. There's, uh, there's software you can get that will monitor your internet activity. For example, there's Covenant Eyes, and I think there's a few others. We just as a policy, is I've put that on all the staff computers to protect all the staff from even going there. So all the staff have got this in the computer. So the church staff have that in place for integrity's sake. And people keep an eye on what other people are watching and looking at. For integrity's sake. So you can install that. You can make sure that's in your life. You can protect yourself. Failing that? Get a knife and get straight yourself. Apparently that's what Oregon did. One of the old church fathers. He was convinced of the evils of sexual pleasure. So he actually took a knife and to, to, I'm not, how, and off it goes, right? So your, your choice, your choice. You can be accountable, or we can provide you with uh, a knife. And just a warning: if your spouse is spending long hours after you've gone to bed on the internet, let a warning bells be going off in your head. Let warning bells be going off in your head. If there's a lack of intimacy in your marriage and the distance. Where does this distance come from? Potential warning bells to go off in your head. To deal with things. To move forward. To let, let things be in the open. Walk with integrity. Okay. Don't develop intimacy outside of marriage. Again, this is advice for married people. But also, it's probably good advice if you're single as well. To a certain degree, you don't want to get intimacy with people by default. Just by because you're with them. Sometimes as i said last week sometimes the guy who doesn't get what he was longing for within marriage finds that satisfaction outside of marriage okay and my encouragement is wives make sex awesome but i would also encourage the guys who are you to even use that as an excuse to go off with another lassie it's not even an excuse it's a deplorable and don't go don't hang out with lassies if you know there's a tension there don't spend a lot of time alone with other lassies. You're a married man. You shouldn't be working in close proximity to a woman constantly. You should protect yourself from that. You shouldn't go on business trips with another female. You shouldn't do that. You've got to really protect yourself. If you have to be with another, make sure you're in a public place. Make sure you're accountable. But it's best not spending prolonged periods of time with another individual because without realizing it, you will develop intimacy. Guys, typically, for them, sex means a big thing. For ladies, one of the things that means a lot for them is they have emotional needs. They need to know that in marriage, they can be heard. They have support. They have a husband who listens and takes a genuine interest in them. And do you know what? If your husband just turns the volume up every time you try and talk, then you might be tempted to go and find intimacy with someone at work. You might find a guy at work who listens to you. And before you know it, you become emotionally attached to that guy and before you realize it, an adulterous affair is kicked off. So please protect each other. But also, even if it's not good in marriage, don't expose yourself to any intimacy outside of the marriage situation. It could seriously damage your life. Proverbs 7 verses 21 to 23 says, With her many persuasions, she entices him. With her flattering lips, she seduces him. Follow." Suddenly, He follows her as an ox goes to the slaughter. (laughs) Very vivid pictures here. Or as one who in in infetters to the discipline of a fool. Until an arrow pierces through his liver as a bird hastens to the snare, so he does not know that it will cost him his life. It's interesting, the Bible says, with her many persuasions, she entices him. Do you understand? That didn't just happen overnight. There's a a conversation started up here. There's an intimacy being developed over time, okay? There's a period of time where that's building up, and then suddenly, suddenly he follows her. It's like the, the, the decision to do something crazy suddenly happens. But what's been building up before that is this. You have been developing intimacy with the wrong person. By default, you end up suddenly making a wrong decision. 20 minutes of pleasure could give you a lifetime and others a lifetime of heartache and regret. Here's six good reasons to avoid immorality. Number one, by living immoral, you damage yourself. You damage yourself. Here's some verses from Proverbs 2, 5, and 6. For her house sinks down to death. Talk about the adulterous lady. Her track leads to death. None that go to her return again. They do not reach the path of life. It is the most damaging thing to any individual to go there. For the lips of an adulteress drip with honey and smoother with oil is her speech. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwoods. Folks, it's a myth. It will not give you what you're looking for. Sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps steps take hold of Sheol. She does not ponder the path of life. Her ways are unstable and she does not know it. Can a man take fire in his bosom and his clothes not be burns? Can't play with fire, guys. Can a man walk on hot coals and his feet not be scorched? So is the one who goes with his neighbor's wife. Whoever touches her will not go unpunished. Men do not despise a thief if he steals to satisfy himself. And when he is hungry, but when he is found, he must repay sevenfold. He must give back the substance of his house. The one who commits adultery with the woman is lacking sense. He who would destroy himself does it. The wounds wounds and disgrace he will find and his reproach will not be blotted out for jealousy enrages a man and he will not spare in the day of vengeance he will not accept any ransom nor will he be satisfied though he gives many gifts folks the scarring and the ruin that immorality can give to your life freak out so much don't ever go there freak out so much about that it's so deadly it would ruin your life it would corrupt you it would and you know what I've been with husbands, right? I, I remember one day I got, I got a knock on... It was, I, could, I, just, I remember I was standing here on the stage. It was a morning prayer time. And I saw my friend at the window. He'd knocked the door. He didn't come to the church. I, I looked. There was my friend. I thought, oh, what's he doing here? And I went to see him. you Are right. And he burst into tears. And he said, my wife's left me. And then he found out his wife had left him for his best friends. And I tell you what. He was violently angry. And I can understand that. Honestly, he said, I really just hope, Peter, I really hope that I don't meet that guy one day. I really hope I just don't meet him. Because I don't, I don't know what I'm going to do if I meet him. He was ready to rip his head off. You're exposing yourself to that kind of nonsense if you go there. But secondly, you're also damaging your soul. You see, if you sleep around before you're married, you're going to sleep around after you're married. If you can't exercise self-control now, then how are you going to exercise self-control to death do you par? It's going to set a tempo in your life that you're going to find hard to break. Ah, but it'll be different then. Nonsense, you're deluded. It'll be the same. You will be in the situation where you are suffering and struggling with self-control. My advice is this. Get it right now. Exercise self-control now. Interesting, there was a survey carried out. And if you want more information about this, go to www.christian.org. Uh, .org.uk. the largest most detailed s- British study on sexual attitudes concluded it is striking that cohabitation does not appear to exert any strong influence on monogamy in other words people before they cohabit are having as many different sexual relationships with many different people as they do when they shack up together unfaithfulness is still going on in other words self control now self-control later. No self-control now? No self-control later. Nail it now. Get it right now. Number two, the second reason why you should avoid immorality at all costs. Your immorality will potentially damage others. The World Health Organization released figures and the World Health Organization estimates that 150 million girls and 73 million boys under 18 experienced forced sexual intercourse or other forms of sexual violence during 2002 globally. That's horrendous. Recently, the ILO estimates indicate that in 2004, 1.8 million were in prostitution and pornography. Young folks. Findings reported in international studies conducted since 1980 revealed that 20% 20% of women and 5 to 10% of men have suffered sexual abuse in varying degrees through their life that's a global statistic 20% of women women fight 1 in 5 women in this auditorium and 1 in 10 guys in this auditorium that's a lot of abuse that's a lot of hurt but also that's a lot of abusers you hear that that's a lot of abusers in this auditorium you've caused abuse but Peter, that's, that's extreme examples. Now listen, where does that start? That starts here. That's where it starts. And everyone has the potential to be that abuser. It starts here. And it starts with, with an embracing of a wrong philosophy. And the wrong philosophy is the philosophy that our world is trying to sell us. That sex outside of marriage is Okay that sex is about you get an experience. So what you do is this. Instead of treating people as beautiful individuals who deserve love, you treat them as objects of desire and you take, 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 and you hurt and you abuse and you leave a trail of broken hearts. And it's not the way God wants you to live. God wants you to have great sex. But it is within the context and it's a safe context. Let me tell you a story. Nora Jean spent much of her childhood in foster homes. In one of those foster homes... Uh, As she was an eight-year-old, one of the boarders raped her and gave her a nickel and said, Here, honey, take this and don't ever tell anyone what I did to you. When little Nora Jean went to the foster mother to tell her what had happened, the foster mum beat her so badly, and she told her, Our boarder pays good rent. Don't you ever say anything bad about him. Nora Jean turned into a pretty young girl, and she began to be noticed. Boys whistled at her. And she began to enjoy that. She liked the attention. She hadn't had much of that. Then Nora Jean went to Hollywood and took her new name, Marilyn Monroe. And the publicity people told her, Marilyn, we're going to create the modern sex symbol out of you. And her reaction was, a symbol? Aren't symbols things that people hit together? And they said, honey, it doesn't matter. Because we're going to make you the most smoldering sex symbol that's ever hit the TV. She was an overnight success. Behind the scenes, she was hurting. She went through three divorces, and then tragically, one Saturday night, at age 35, Marilyn Monroe took her own life. She killed herself. When her maid found her the next morning, she was lying dead, having taken an overdose of pills, with the telephone receiver hanging on its wire. As the the police investigated the death, they found that she had just made a phone call before dying. And her phone call had been to a fellow Hollywood actor. And she told him that she'd just taken enough sleeping pills to to kill herself. And he answered, frankly, my dear, I don't care. And that was the last word she heard as she dropped the receiver. Marilyn, Marilyn Monroe, love goddess who never found any love. You see, folks, your immorality, the way you treat others as objects of desire, that perpetuates a mentality in our world that ruins lives. It's nothing to do with love. It's only to do with you getting your satisfaction, me getting my satisfaction, us getting our pleasure by take, take, taking. Sex was never for that. Sex was meant to be a blessing. Sex was meant to be for love. Sex was meant to be within the confines of marriage. Sex was meant to be a healing thing rather than a killing thing. Yet so often, This has caused heartache beyond measure. Honestly, as a pastor, I've seen so much pain. This has caused so much pain. I have seen my friend that I described there, the pain, anguish he and his son went through as a result of that. Our close friend just now is having, another person is having to look at moving house and uprooting their family because of immorality. This causes pain. And do you know what? For one person, they think they're living it up. But the pain they cause and what they perpetuate on this planet is so negative and so ugly, it's to be avoided at all costs. Run a mile, flee from immorality. Thirdly, acting immorally totally compromises your character and your integrity, and you don't want to do that. Proverbs 23, verses 27 and 28. For a harlot is is a deep pit, an adulterous woman is a narrow well. Surely she lurks as a robber and increases the faithless among men. Surely faithfulness is a good characteristic to have. The concept of being true to someone, surely that's a good characteristic. Yet the Bible teaches that immorality, whether in marriage or outside of marriage, develops faithlessness. That's not a characteristic you want in your life. It says in Proverbs 2 verses 16 and 17, To deliver from a strange woman... The adulteress who flatters with her words but leaves the companion of her youth and forgets the covenants of her god there's a covenant when you get married you make a covenant an agreement a binding agreement between you and your spouse immorality undermines that agreement it says that you know you could break that agreement can you you see if you break that kind of agreement if you break that agreement right who could ever trust you again how could I trust you in any business transaction? How can I trust you? If you're willing to break your covenant with your spouse, how on earth can I trust you just in a simple agreement and a business agreement? How can I trust you to keep your word if you can't even keep your relationship with your spouse? That's horrendous. Fourthly, living immor- immorally shows that you've believed a lie. Proverbs five, a few verses there in Proverbs nine. For the lips of the adulterers drip honey, smoother than oil is her speech, but in the end she is bitter as wormwoods, sharp as a two-edged sword. Stolen water is sweet, and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who d- he does not know that the dead are there and their guests are in the depths of Sheol. You see, folks, there is a natural sense of excitement, risk and adventure and thrill in the whole concept of running away with someone. But you've got a lie. The lie is this. The lips of adulterers are honey. They drip like honey and they're smoother than oil. It says that stolen water is sweet. There's a lie there, folks, and you've bought the lie. The lie is that this is all good. It's not all good because the end is negative. Some people think, oh, the grass is greener on the other side. It's going to be better in some other situation. But the fact is, the grass isn't greener on the other side. The grass is greener where it's watered. So look after your patch. Look after your life. Develop your self-control. Be a whole individual. Learn true love. As a single person, walk with integrity. Develop self-control. Live a life of love. Don't just live for self, live for others. It's good preparation for when you're married. As a married person, look after your relationship. Pray for your spouse every day. Make it your intention to meet their needs, to love them. And as you do that, you provide protection. You water your side of the grass, and your grass will be greener. Fifthly, being immoral, and this is a really good one. Being immoral demonstrates that you are thick. <laughs> Proverbs 7, verses 7 to 8. I saw among the naive, and discerning, I discerned among the youths a young man lacking sense. That means thick. Passing through the street, street near her corner and he takes the way to her house. He has just made her silly, stupid decision. That guy is a thick mouth, a thick guy. He's, he's a numpty. He, he doesn't have a clue about life. That's the worst decision he could have ever made. Sixthly and finally, by living immor- immorally, you potentially jeopardize your eternal life and your relationship with God. Just to make it a bit more heavy. Just to to finish off this hard sell about why we should... Are we getting the message, folks? It's a really happy message tonight. But I I want to persuade you. I want to persuade you with everything within me to not go there ever, not even in your thoughts. Because if you go there in your thoughts, you'll go there in your actions. I want a hard sell to you tonight. I want the 150-odd of you in this room. I want to to protect your lives from going down a damaging route. I want your marriages to be strong. That's why I want to pummel this home. Because I, I, I can't risk the possibility that you're not getting this. Sixthly, by living immorally, you potentially jeopardise—and this is the worst of all—your eternal life and your relationship with God. Ephesians 5:5. 5, 5, For this you can be sure: no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a man as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of God and of Christ. That's heavy. It's not talking about the person who has made a mistake. It's talking about the person who's made a mistake. And do you know what? Doesn't do anything about it. Who just lives in it and says, oh well, I've made a mistake. May as well just keep living like this. It's the age-old scenario of are you a pig or are you a lamb? If you're a pig and you fall into mud, do you know what you do? You wallow in that mud. You enjoy that mud. If you're a lamb and you fall into that mud, you bleat. You want out. It's, It's not like you. You've got to get out of that quick. It's all to do with are you a repentant individual? Sure, we make mistakes, but do you live in that mistake? Because if you're living in that mistake, you're jeopardizing your eternal safety. There was a soldier given authority by Napoleon, and he was given authority to release one prisoner from the jail. He realized that this was a rare privilege to be given. So he wanted to make sure if he was going to give someone a get-out-of-jail-free card, he wanted to make sure he was going to give it to someone who truly deserved it. So he went round and he interviewed the prisoners. And and he was asking them, well, why, why do you think you deserve to be released? And one prisoner after another gave their excuses about how they were falsely accused and how they shouldn't have been in prison in the first place and how the judge had been bribed, how the jury had been corrupted, how someone knew them and had it in for them. And they had all the reasons why they shouldn't be in prison how it was another guy's fault. Eventually, he came to one prisoner who said, there's no reason I should be released. I'm in prison. I'm paying the price for the crime that I've committed. I'm a criminal. So the soldier went back to Napoleon and said, I've decided who I'm going to be released. And he brings the guy and he says, I have to release this guy. I cannot have him in the prison, potentially corrupting all the other good people. (laughs) But there's a guy taking responsibility. I am at fault. I've blown it. I've made a mistake. You see, you've got to repent. You've got to run back to God. Your eternal security, folks, should mean more to you than anything else. Do you know what? This life is going to go like that. It's going to go so quick. It's going to go so quick. I'm in my 60s already, and it seems like, wow, how, where did that all go? It's just going to go It's going to go so quick. And at the end of it, you can either live with a life of regrets or you can say, do you know what? I repented. I did make mistakes. I I repented before God and I made a choice. Do you know what? I'm going to do it God's way. Because at the end of the day, eternity is a long time compared to my hundred years on earth. Someone made a comment to me the other day that I thought was very profound. He said that, did you know, Peter, an airplane, when it's going to its destination, Most of its journey, it's off track. In percentage terms, it's only a tiny percent of that plane's journey that is exactly pointing at its destination. But my friend made the point and said, it's in its readjustments that it gets to its destination. And you're going through life. I'm going through life. We are making mistakes. But what we do is we choose, God, every day, forgive me, Father. Father. I'm do everything I jolly well can to be walk with you. So today, I readjust. And as you keep readjusting, you get to your destination. So I understand there's such a, a wide range. There's abused, there's abusers. Not, not this side and that side. <laughs> you watch them. The point I'm making is in this crowd, some of you are hurting bad. Some of you wish you'd heard this advice 10 years ago. You think it's too late now. It's not too late. It's not too late it's a great God he loves you more than you know he can clean it all up he can forgive you he can give you a new start don't run from him run to him let him heal your heart let him restore your life just stop running away run to him ask his forgiveness put things right and then build right for the future and you might think oh so many years have passed okay well don't let any more pass today draw a line you're alive today that means God's got a purpose for your life Choose to follow Him. Let's choose to live life God's way. Let's pray. Just while the musicians play quietly, make your response to God. Talk to Him. Maybe this one of these verses, that just stands out and it speaks directly to you. Maybe, maybe one of these challenges has, has gone right into your heart. And you feel you need to put something right. It feels tough just now, but this is good news. You've heard it. Husbands and wives, you should never abuse each other. You should never abuse each other. You should never emotionally abuse or physically abuse each other. That is completely unacceptable. Put that right. Maybe you need to repent for your concept of what sex was. You've, you've made it into some CD thing where God never intended it to be. God intended it to be an awesome, exciting, passionate thing between a man and a wife. Maybe you've been running away from God. And it might not be anything to do with some sexual thing. It might be something completely unrelated, but the fact is today you're running away from God and you're not heading for your destination. Time for a major adjustment in life. Time to come back and follow him with all your heart. Don't run from him anymore. Run to him. God, I thank you. You're a merciful and great God. We love and we worship you tonight. God, your Bible is pretty hard-hitting. And God, it really, the book of Proverbs is so full of strong words and strong pictures that truly do give us one massive warning to avoid and, in fact, flee, run as hard as we can in the opposite direction from immorality. I pray you give my friends here and myself the courage to live a life. Help us to make it through to the ends, having lived done what was right not that we're perfect but God we want to not use our imperfections as an excuse for living second best hurting ourselves hurting others and most importantly sinning against you, that's not acceptable God we're asking your forgiveness for any time we've gone there maybe you're here tonight and while other people are praying their prayers and putting things right before God maybe you're here tonight and you're not in a relationship with God yet. You've been, you haven't connected with him. You haven't accepted the great price he paid because Jesus did come and he died to pay the price for all your sins. And he rose again in the third day. He's alive now. And he's, one day he will return again. And the, che- the opportunity you have right now is why don't you commit your life to him? Not in some half-hearted way, but totally, completely. Run to him, ask his forgiveness, and become a follower of Jesus. Making him the Lord of your life and choosing to let him affect the rest of your life from here on. Why settle for second best? You can have the best. Give your all to God. It might be that you once followed God and for whatever reason you've run away from him. Well, today tonight, stop running from him and start running to him. If that's you this evening. And you need to come to God. You need to ask His forgiveness. Whether it be for the first time. Or whether it be because you've been running away. And you need to put it right. Then I'm going to give you an opportunity right now to put things right. And I'm going to do this. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. And I invite you to repeat this prayer after me. I'll say a line of the prayer. You repeat it. And I want you to pray this not out loud. This is not about who He is. I want you to pray this just quietly under your breath. Let this be your heart's cry to God. And in this prayer, this is a prayer where you're committing yourself to follow God and where you ask His forgiveness for all your sin. Let's pray now. If that's you, you want to make that commitment to God tonight. Not just tonight, but for the rest of your life. If that's you, pray with me just now. Pray, dear Lord God, I want to thank you that you love me so much that you came into this earth and Jesus, you lived a great life. And you died on a cross for me. The horrendous death you went through was so that I could be forgiven for all my sins and cleansed from all my brokenness. I acknowledge that I am such a sinner. I have blown it, God. In my thoughts, in my words, in my attitudes, and my actions. God, forgive me for offending you and forgive me for hurting others and for hurting myself. Thanks for your forgiveness. Jesus, I believed you died. You shed your blood so I could be totally forgiven. And Jesus, I'm convinced that three days after dying, you rose again. And I believe you are alive And right now I make you the Lord of my life. I give you first place in my life. I pledge my allegiance to you. And I commit to following you for the rest of my days. To the best of my ability. And if I blow it, I will pick myself up again quickly. And I will follow you again. In Jesus' name, thanks for hearing my prayer. Amen. Could okay, Keep your eyes closed. If you prayed that prayer, you've just done a marvelous thing. and I have to tell you that God has heard your heart's cry. And he accepts you. I would love a privilege right now, and I'm just going to ask you to do me a favor. If you prayed that prayer, while everyone else's eyes are closed and heads are bowed, if you prayed that prayer, I would love the privilege of praying for you. I would like to ask God's blessing on you as you embark on this new journey in life. So what I'm going to ask you to do is this. While everyone else, heads are bowed and eyes are closed. If you could just simply let me know you prayed that prayer and I'll pray for you. Can you just raise your hand if you prayed that prayer? Thanks. Two guys at the back. Thanks. Anyone else? Put your hand up and I'll pray for you. Thank you. Anyone else? Thank you. Anyone else? Anyone else? You prayed that prayer and you really meant it. Dear God, I want to thank you for my friends tonight who prayed that prayer and they meant it. Now, God, I pray, thank you so much you have accepted them. You you promise as we ask forgiveness that you grant it, you forgive and you cleanse. And I want to thank you, God, that forgiveness is now theirs. It's your gift to them and they're free and they're forgiven. Thank you. God, I thank you that as they put their trust in you, your Bible promises that they now have eternal life. God, for those who have decided tonight to come back to you, thank you that you welcome them like the prodigal son returning, and you embrace them and you love them. Not that they should take some secondary place, but you restore them back to the position that they always should have had. Thank you you accept them, Lord. And I pray, God, today give them the courage to follow you, but for the rest of their lives, tomorrow, this week, this month, this year, and for the rest of their life on earth. God, help them to live authentic Christian lives that serve you. Help them to get involved in a good church where they can grow in their faith every week and take good steps forward. Help them now to get baptized as believers, taking that important step that cuts off their past and associates them with you. Give them the courage to get involved in the church and get baptized now, Lord. Help them to grow. Help them to... be blessed and I thank you you accept them in this very instance in Jesus name Amen Amen, amen. Let's stand to our feet, let's worship God